Hello, and welcome to What on Earth, the podcast in the Environmental Investigation Agency, or EIA. The global illegal wildlife trade is often simplistically thought of in terms of poachers killing endangered species such as tigers for their skins and elephants for their ivory. But while that unfortunately still happens, an arguably far more pressing threat is that illegal wildlife trade is also taking place on a large scale to supply the parts and products of species such as pangolins and leopards, as well as rhinos and tigers, to serve as ingredients in some traditional Chinese medicines, TCM for short. I'm Paul Newman, EIA's Senior Press and Communications Officer, and joining me for this episode is our legal and policy specialist, Avinash Baska, to talk about our new report released this week, Investing in Extinction, how the global financial sector profits from traditional medicine firms using threatened species. Avinash, welcome, and thanks for taking the time to share your thoughts with us. Thank you, Paul. It's nice to be here. Good to have you. Now, firstly, I understand that research by you and our colleagues in the IA's wildlife team found evidence of leopards and pangolins being used as ingredients in at least 88 traditional Chinese medicine products. Can you tell us a bit about these treatments, what they're supposed to do, and how widely available they are? Uh, I have to start off by saying that I have absolutely no expertise as far as traditional Chinese medicine is concerned, but uh, I can let you know what we what, what our research shows that these products are used for. So tiger bone uh, is uh, I pre- prescribed generally for strengthening sinews and bones and for pain relief, including for rheumatic pain. Uh, leopard bone is uh, normally used as a substitute for tiger bone uh, in TCM. Uh, pangolin scales uh, uh, are used uh, to assist with blood circulation and to promote human lactation and tre- treat rheumatism as well. And rhino horn Uh, is used for its perceived cooling effect, reduce fevers and detoxify the body. So these are the things that uh, we think that they are prescribed for in Chinese, in uh, traditional Chinese medicine. And and are these treatments uh, very widely used um, or are they kind of a a niche market? Well, TCM as a whole is pretty widely used in China. But uh, again, uh, we don't know. uh, We'd have to say that we don't know how many of these of these medications are of these medicines are sold? Uh, the quant the, that's that's a piece of information that for us is missing. So the quantity of uh, these medicines which we have documented, which are being sold, and also the quantity of uh, the relevant species that is leopard, uh, pangolins, rhinos, and tigers that are being used in each you know pill or each each uh, each medicine. In, in terms of um, TCM products that actually have um, endangered species as an ingredient um, to one extent or another, are the 88 that you've identified just the tip of the iceberg? It's, so this, the way we've gone about this is that we've, we've been monitoring the availability of TCM products, licensed TCM products online for a while now. And we, re- we released uh, reports uh, in 2020 that is a smoke and mirrors relating to pangolins and bitter pill to swallow relating to leopards. And so we had done uh, quite a lot of uh, research to document products at that stage. Uh, what we've done at, for this report is basically gone back and checked whether those products are still available. Um, and what we found is a, n- a number of them are still available. Uh, and one of the surprising things that we found, which we didn't find last time, was that uh, a few of those products, three in particular, uh, are now stated to contain uh, tiger and rhino horn as well. Uh, whether it's the tip of the iceberg, it's difficult for for us to say. What we say is that these are the minimum products that we have been able to identify. There might be more out there. There might be more 
that are not advertised online, for example. Uh, but so we don't know. But uh, this we generally describe it as the minimum number of products that we have been able to document. Excellent. Now the products listed in the report are manufactured by seventy-two Chinese companies, and amazingly, that they're licensed by the National Medical Products Administration of China. Now, given that leopards, pangolins, rhinos, and tigers are all strictly protected under the Convention on International Trade in Endangered Species (aka CITES) to which China's a party, um, how is this grim corner of TCM actually able to operate so openly? Uh, so a few things. Firstly, uh, what we've documented are products which have their NMPA numbers. So that is numbers issued uh, by the National Medical Products Association, uh, uh, Administration, sorry, uh, of China. Um, and these numbers are shown on, on, on these products. Uh, and we, we are unable to verify whether those, those products actually have those NMPAs, but they are shown as having those NMPAs. So we are going by what is shown. As far as how this is happening, uh, the Convention on International Trade and Endangered Species, um, it applies to international trade, the treaty text itself. What it does is it says that commercial, primarily commercial trade in species listed on its Appendix 1. So Appendix 1 species, uh, primarily commercial trade is not allowed uh, for those species. That's like the gist of it as far as the convention on the treaty text of the convention is concerned. But obviously what's happened over the years with CITES is that the parties have made recommendations uh, through resolutions. So they have these standing resolutions on various taxa, uh, including on rhinos, on Asian big cats and on pangolins, which make recommendations uh, to for the parties to follow. So for both pangolins and for Asian big cats, that is tigers, leopards, snow leopards, clouded leopards, and the Asian population of lions in India. The recommendation is that domestic markets which are contributing to poaching or illegal trade should be closed. That's the gist of, of, the, of the recommendation. Uh, as far as Asian big cats was concerned, as uh, like as early as uh, the early two thousands, the recommendation was that parties have voluntarily uh, they voluntarily adopt internal prohibitions on trade in Asian big cat parts and derivatives. So this, that 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 kind of uh, you know recommendation has been there for a long time. Uh, for Asian big cats. For pangolins, uh, it was adopted fairly recently. It was only in 2022 that this recommendation as far as domestic markets was uh, was uh, adopted. Also, pangolins were listed uh, on, on Appendix 1 at a much later stage. So it was only in uh, 2016 that all eight species of pangolins were listed on Appendix 1 of CITES, uh, whereas uh, Asian big cats all Asian big cats have been listed on Appendix 1 of CITES since uh, 1987. Uh, leopards have been listed on Appendix 1 of CITES uh, since 1975. So for a long time, international commercial trade has been prohibited in these uh, in Asian big cats at least, and for, for pangolins since 2017, January 2017, when the listings came into effect. But domestic trade is not touched on by the convention in the sense that the treaty text doesn't touch on it, but you have these recommendations. So parties 
some parties follow these recommendations, some parties don't follow these recommendations. And in this case, uh, you have uh, China, which has not closed its domestic markets for leopards, clearly, uh, or for pangolins. Um, and what's of concern to us is it seems uh, to have now started, or at least uh, on the basis of the information that we have, uh, it seems to have also started licensing uh, tiger bone and rhino products, which was not the case earlier. And I'm, I'm, suppose, I'm presuming that there aren't gigantic stockpiles of, of these animal parts and products in China for them to use. It's, it's largely being supplied, I would imagine, by illegal trade. Well, we don't know. So, no. So the thing is that uh, there, there are so there are recommendations on stockpiles as well uh, for CITES, at least for Asian big cats. The recommendation is that parties consolidate and control stockpiles uh, and, where possible, destroy them. Uh, but uh, the, we don't know the size, the actual size of the stockpiles in the case of both uh, pangolins and leopards, right? The, the total size that, that's there uh, within the country, what the source of those stockpiles are. Like, obviously, some of the stockpiles could be from completely legal sources because, like, say, for example, with pangolins, like, international commercial trade was allowed until 2016. And there, were, there was legal commercial trade that was happening, especially from Africa, to, uh, to China because of the fact that it was allowed and uh, it was only the Asian pangolin species that had been subject to what's called a zero export quota, right? Uh, so there, there have been legal sources, obviously, and especially for pangolins, but we don't know the size of, of these, the, these legal, this stockpile and the source of where it's come from, you know, where, where its legal origin and how much of it has been used you know, every every time, like every year, every you know, in in each product, it's it's difficult. So without knowing that, it's very difficult to trace the legal origin of the product. But it, I think that there's a slight difference between the case for leopards and pangolins. Like I said, like pangolins um, have have been legally traded up to 2016. But in the case of leopards, uh, international uh, commercial trade in leopards has been prohibited for a long time. Um, there isn't a very large population of leopards within China. It's a fairly small population of leopards within China. And also, uh, the leopards are not bred at scale, you know, the way tigers are, where you have, you might have tiger farms. The leopards are not bred at that scale as well. So then the question is, where, what's the source of this, of the leopard bone that is currently being used? Because presumably, like, the response would be that it's from legal stockpiles. But then the question is, how have these stockpiles, uh, you know, continued to exist for such a long time? And how much is being used? So these are questions that we, we seek to ask. As in, and we would, we want, we, ideally, you want a response to these questions to satisfy uh, the query that you're, you're making, as in, how much was there? How much of it was, uh, what, what is the source of, of that stockpile? Like, how, how was it acquired? And then how much of it has been used in each instance, you know, over time? Unless you have that information and you have that information clearly and verifiably available, it's very difficult to say you know, whether something, whether, whether the source of a particular product is, is, is legal or illegal. You're just going by what, you know, someone's word. Right. Yeah, yeah, and I guess yeah, there's a certain word, logic. Yeah. Um, like I know we've we've discussed with colleagues in the past about pangolin scale stockpile, that it's kept so opaque that we have no idea how big it ever was originally to know how much is being used and how big it is now and 
whether it's topped up or not. Yeah, and I think the 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 corollary which which must be mentioned is that China is one of the main destinations for illegal trade of these species as well, right? So the parts and derivatives which are in, are in illegal trade, uh, China is one of the major destination countries for for them for these parts and derivatives. Uh, Vietnam as as well, uh, but definitely China is one of the major destinations. So if in in that case you have presumably because obviously not all illegal products are going to be seized as in you're not going to catch all of it so presumably there are uh, illegal parts and der derivatives entering the country now what's happening there what's happening with those parts and derivatives is it are they being sold illegally or are they actually in entering legal trade so that's another question for us as in that that we are unable to answer so uh, what we what we would say is that the existence of this market, the existence of this legal market is problematic because not only does it leave open the possibility for illegal goods to be laundered into the legal market, it also gives customers or, or you know the consumers very mixed messaging. So what it says is there are these legal products and it's okay to consume these products from in, in the case of, of, of pangolins, three, three of the species are critically endangered. Right? Three of the species are endangered. So you're saying it's okay to consume these products which are sourced from these critically endangered and endangered species. So that gives the, the, the public a way. But at the same time, you're saying, oh, illegal trade is, is, is uh, punishable with very high sentences. So that gives the public quite a, a mixed message. Isn't it? You know, they're unsure. People are going to be unsure. Okay, but if it's, if it's okay to consume these products, why can't I, I get these products? Right? Like, why can't I acquire, acquire them? Uh, through whatever means I, I, I need to. So there's, there's both those things. So it's, it's not just a question of legality. It's also a question of sustainability. This, the, it's obvious that this, this trade isn't sustainable. If you look at the conservation status of these species, they, in the case of leopards, leopards are the one big cat whose conservation status has dropped in the last uh, decade or so, right? Like if you look at pangolins, their conservation status is, is, is in a really bad place at the moment, right? So uh, this this isn't a sustainable trade, so it's not just a question of you know legality. Okay, is this being legally sourced or not? That's that's one question. But the other thing is that this isn't sustainable, and it, it gives consumers mixed messages. So that that's that that's the other issue with it. Yeah, th thanks for that. Um, now, the other headline finding in the report is the degree to which banks and financial institutions around the world are supporting this industry through investment. Um, I gather many of them are Fortune 500 companies and international household names such as BlackRock, Citigroup, Deutsche Bank, HSBC, Legal and General, and the World Bank of Canada, to name just a few. Can you tell us what's happening here? Um, yeah, so what we did for the purposes of this report is that we looked at three of the TCM groups, uh, which are, you know, these big conglomerates um, and looked at, which had publicly listed subsidiaries. Uh, and so we looked at investors from outside China who were invested in these publicly listed subsidiaries of these three groups. So it's a total of six companies spread across uh, three, these three, three groups. And we we looked at their shareholding. We looked at it twice. We looked at it in 2022. We looked at it in 2023 as well. We looked, uh, and what we were seeing is what we wanted to see is okay. What investors from outside China invested in these companies, and we found 
uh, a total of 62 uh, who were invested and then we reached out to them uh, to see whether they had any comments uh, and we received responses from quite a very few of them. Only 14 of them responded uh, to our letters. Um, what's happening here is that it's difficult to say because there's, uh, there's been such a low uh, number of responses to us. But it, uh, from what we can see, is it's that uh, some of them may not be aware of it. They may not be aware of the fact that this is a risk, that, that this is a threat that uh, is there in one, from one of their investments. Uh, some of them may be aware of it, but are choosing to continue investing in, in any case. It's difficult for us to say. Uh, what, what I will say is that the, the impression I get from you know, looking at their various ESG commitments and the statements that they've made or you know, looking at their websites is that ESG commitments when it comes to biodiversity are at quite a nascent stage. So there are very, there are very few concrete commitments that, that we're able to see. And where, they, where you do have concrete commitments, they tend to be to do with habitat, you know, habitat loss, uh, uh, things like that, rather than you know, use and trade of the species themselves. Uh, and so this is something that we'd like to highlight through this report. We'd like to let the financial sector know the risk that is involved. Uh, when it comes to the use and trade of species which are threatened and in some cases obviously critically endangered as well uh, so that, that's 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 the purpose of this report uh, it's uh, it's it's to give this information to the financial sector and hope that they would act on it you know that they would incorporate uh, they would incorporate safeguards and commitments within their policies to ensure that ideally that they don't they're not they're not actually investing in companies where there's this risk or that they at least if they are going to invest that they, they you know they conduct the necessary due diligence checks to find to, to see whether uh, the products that are being made they may be made with legally sourced ingredients uh, or and also that they report on this uh, because if they're going to say that we are you know we are we have commitments towards biodiversity then they should at least be reporting on where those risks are with, with their investments. So th that's the purpose of this report. That's what we would like to see from the financial sector. Well, you mentioned commitments, um, and it occurs to me that <clears throat> although it's bad enough that many of these companies are actually investing in TCM that uses endangered species, um, some of them are also signatories to the principles for responsible investment, or, or some of them are members of the International Corporate Governance Network, which has publicly expressed concerns about biodiversity loss and species extinctions. On top of which, um, seven of the 62 you name are also members of the World Foundation's United for Wildlife Financial Task Force. Now, is this just cynical greenwashing of their corporate brands, or, or might they legitimately not know that some of their investments are actually helping to drive threatened species to extinction? So, again, uh, I'm reluctant to call it greenwashing at this stage, but it's definitely something that it's a contradiction. Like you could, that that's that should be pointed out to them, right? Like, and that's the purpose of this report to point out this contradiction to them. Uh, but what what you would hope is that they that they act on it that the financial sector act, acts on it that it it firstly it it puts in place processes so that firstly this risk is identified right it, and and then where it's it's acted upon in one way or the other right even if it it doesn't involve divestment it at least involves acknowledging it and reporting on it that's that that's what you you would expect from from the financial sector because it is obviously fine to you know, make statements and like, you know, it's, it's 
it's good that the financial sector is making statements and commitments relating to biodiversity. That's a good step. But then the thing is, when something is pointed out to them, you would hope that they act because it's only in that instance where they are aware of the fact that this is happening and they still don't take any steps to address it. And that, then at that stage, you would have to say then, you know, you, you, you might have to say that, okay, that's, that, that looks like greenwashing. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so in, in light of our findings, uh, what's your core message to these international banks and financial institutions? The, our core message is we would we would say identify these risks when it comes to your investment. And again, I would say our report is relating to uh, leopards and pangolins and where we've identified it, tigers and rhinos. But it's not just those species which are threatened and which are used in TCM, right? Like there are other species as well. There's the saiga antelope, uh, there's musk deer, there's bears, bear bile is also used. So there are an, a, other species as well which are threatened, which are used in, in TCM. So this is a risk that we're, we're trying to, you know, let, get inf investors to, uh, to understand that this risk exists. What we would ask them, we would want them to divest from companies that are utilizing these species. That's what we would want. But if they're not going to do that, then it, we would at least want them to you know, perform uh, the required amount of due diligence to check that these products are being legally sourced in terms of the ingredients that they're being legally sourced, you know, in, incorporate checks to ensure that that's happening. And if uh, you're not divesting, then at least report on it. Report that the fact that this risk, risk exists with, uh, with these investments and, and, and that we're continuing to invest. Uh, in them. Uh, the other point that I'd like to make in terms of TCM is that this is a very, uh, although this is a very small percentage of TCM products that we're talking about, only a very, only a small percentage of TCM products contain animal derivatives and a, a smaller percentage of that contain, contain derivatives from threatened species. So this is not, you know, this is not uh, a criticism of the entire sector or, or anything like that. You know, that's not what what we want to say it's not it's not our, our intention to you know um, say that all tcm is bad or anything of that sort but the we're talking about a small section of products which does obviously uh, that, that does obviously affect the reputation of the the industry as a whole and so uh, what we what we would seek is that this that these this small section of products that that they're addressed that, that, that they're addressed and that sustainable alternatives are used uh, where possible or that these medicines aren't manufactured uh, where necessary, even if you don't find sustainable alternatives because yeah, the, you, the risk to the species is, is that high. Indeed, as you say, if it's such a tiny fraction um, of the overall TCM market, then the entire market runs a reputational risk by having these kind of products exist which would be kind of casting aspersions on everything else that it does, which is largely, I understand, plant-based. Um, finally, um, it, it seems to me that on, on the one hand, the government of China is, is uh, signed up to observe the rules and regulations concerning species protected by CITES, um, which we touched on earlier. But on the other hand, it's also directly supporting and stimulating the TCM industry, which is exploiting them. Um, but what do you want China to do about it? Well, our ask from China has been pretty consistent uh, over a long time. It's basically that uh, they follow the recommendations that are there in the resolutions uh, in CITES that they that they amend their law where necessary, uh, or or you know 
their policy where it where it where it's policy related but basically uh, what we're what we're seeking is that they don't uh, they don't continue to allow or permit the continued use of uh, species that are threatened and which are protected within china as well uh, in uh, in 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 tcm and in other industries which are you know which are which have which have the potential to seriously threaten these species Okay, well, have a nice. Thank you very much indeed for joining us today. It's been a pleasure chatting to you about this and I um, hope the report makes the impact you're looking for it to make. Uh, thank you very much, Paul. Now, if you've enjoyed listening to this podcast, please watch this space for future episodes and do check out our website at eia-international.org to find out more about our work. Thank you for joining us and wherever you are, stay safe out there. <laughs>